Uh, saved from what? In Romans chapter 8 tonight, we left off this morning at about verse number 17, and let's begin reading there. We're going to read through verse 25. The Bible says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with, G- with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Underline that phrase, glorified together. What that means is that someday we'll have a glorified, resurrected body like in the body of Jesus Christ. That's what that's talking about. For verse 18, for I reckon that the, pre- for the, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that which shall be revealed in us. Now watch carefully. For the earnest expectation. You know what that is? That's hope. That's biblical hope. We have an earnest expectation of the creature. Now the Bible said if any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creature. So now we have an earnest expectation of that new creature that lives within us, this new man, this new creature in Christ, an earnest expectation of the creature, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Manifestation is the full consummation and revealing of what that is. And what he's saying here is this, that you and I are in these old sin-cursed suffering bodies, and we are we have an earnest expectation, a hope for a body that does not know sin, a resurrected, glorified body like in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 20, for the creature, that's that's the, that's the same part, the, the believer, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. This new man inside Reg Kelly is held bondage by this body. The Bible says, in fact, that's why death is a blessing for the Christian, because it releases the spirit and the soul to be with the Lord. This body is, a, is we're, we're in the bondage of corruption. This body is corrupt. It's corrupted by sin. And we're living, and, we're, and, and it says that the creature, that new man itself, shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's this body we're living in now, this sin-cursed body, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You see, it's not just even the wind blows in a minor key. Groaning and travailing. The earth is, what, what's causing earthquakes? The groaning and travailing and the twisting. And this whole earth is under the curse. And all the animals are under a curse. And all the plant life is under a curse. And all the all of us people are under a curse. And we're groaning in this under this curse. And we're yearning for that deliverance, that, that final deliverance of our, the salvation, the redemption of our body. Into the into where we have a, the completeness of our salvation, a new resurrected, glorified body, and it said we groaned and travaileth in pain together until now. Listen, I, I've been at the bedside of dying saints. I've seen them. I just want to go off. I wish the Lord would take. I'm tired, and they're in pain. I don't want to suffer anymore. I've seen Christians who say, "I wish the Lord would just go ahead and take." Them. And what we're doing is what is described here. We're groaning and travailing. To be liberated from the bondage of this corruption into the glorious liberty. And what a great liberty that is, amen, when we're freed from this old sin-cursed world in the presence of the Lord. Verse number 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. And that's what, when the Holy Ghost took residence in your body, that's the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. And here it is, the redemption of the body. Now we have a redemption of the spirit, a redemption of the soul, and a redemption of the body. And the, boy, it seems loud. And the redemption of the body is, uh, is the third part of our salvation. Now verse number 24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Lord, help us to preach tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Man is a triune being. Man needs a triune salvation. We are spirit, soul, and body. And we get this triune salvation for our triune being from a triune God. And I want to preach tonight a message saved from what? In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18, the Bible said in verse number 1, chapter 1 and verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Verse number 16 made a statement, though, before it ever said that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The word salvation implies, implies being saved, being delivered from something. Did you know there's a lot of people now that you can witness to and they don't even know, you say, have you ever been saved? Saved from what? They don't have a clue what they're going to be saved from. We're getting such a biblically illiterate culture that they don't have a clue that they're going to die and go to hell. Hell is to them is going to jail somewhere or having a hard time in life. They think hell is now. And they don't have a clue what they're being saved from. But in the book of Romans, as we've now got up to the 8th chapter, we're completing, when we get to the 8th chapter, that which we are saved from. And I want to preach on those things, first of all tonight, with this salvation, this salvation that comes through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, first of all, salvation from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. And that salvation from the penalty of sin primarily deals with the salvation of our spirit when we were born again in the spirit of Almighty God. Uh, the Bible says there in verse 17, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who owe the truth and unrighteousness. Did you know what God saved me from, first of all, was the wrath of God? Do you know everybody talks about the love of God and this about God and this about God, but very few people ever talk about the wrath of God. And yet if you'll get your strong concordance out tonight and look at the Scriptures and you'll find out that God has a lot to say to mankind about His wrath. Now, I know God is love, but I'm going to tell you something tonight. God is wrathful against sin, and he said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. I'm thankful tonight that when God saved me, he saved me from the wrath of God. Now, let me tell you something. If a dog gets mad at a rat and grabs it and shakes it, that ain't, you ain't say nothing until God gets a hold of you. If a lion should get a hold of a, of a lamb and just crush it and shake it and chew it up, that's nothing compared to the wrath of God getting a hold of you. And there's coming a great day of wrath, the Bible said. Men may think they're getting by with sin now, but you're not. You may think, I'll get by, I'll get to heaven, I'll get past somehow or another without Jesus Christ, without repenting of my sin. I'm like Donnie told me the other day, I'm really sick and tired of seeing these stupid fake conversions. I can't hardly handle it. I believe in old-time conversion. I believe in getting the fear of God on you. I believe in getting scared you're going to die and go to hell. I believe in coming to God and saying, God, save me before I die and go to hell kind of stuff. That's the kind of salvation I believe in. Amen? I don't believe in making these deals with God. We've got a generation of Christian people who don't even know the wrath of God. One of the best things you kids will ever get a hold of is the wrath of God is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. In that book that you just received there a while ago, one of the things he said you need to understand as a young man is that you're never going to be in any place of doing anything but what your Almighty God will see you doing what you're doing. It'll be one of the wisest things that you'll ever get in your head, in your heart, in your life is that God knows what you're doing. And God's wrath is against sin. I'm telling you this, the Bible teaches us in chapter number 1 and verse 32, it lists all that garbage going down through there and lists all those sins. And then it says in verse 32 of chapter number 1, it says, Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. 
That's the wrath of God against sin. The Bible teaches us in chapter 3 and verse number 5 of Romans. Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? Did you know that God is going to take vengeance against every sin that's ever been committed against him? That there is coming a day of wrath, that there is coming a day of vengeance. In chapter 3 and verse 19 it teaches us that we are all guilty before this holy God. In chapter 5 and verse 19 when it talks about our salvation, it says in chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse number 9, I'm sorry, verse number 9, it says much more than be now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What's he talking about? Paul is telling us in clear and consistent terms, there's a coming day of judgment, there's a coming day of wrath, and if you don't get the redemption and the forgiveness of your sins through the blood of Christ, you're going to bust hell wide open. We need to get that back in our theology, amen? I believe more people get saved if we just be real blunt and say, you know something, buddy? You're going to bust hell wide open if you don't get born again and get saved. We've got all these weasel needs and ways trying to tell everybody how to get to heaven. Why don't we just get honest with them and tell them that they're guilty and sinners before Almighty God, that the wrath of God is against them, that God's made a provision for them, that He loves them and doesn't want them to go to hell, but if they don't repent, God's wrath is upon them. That's what we need to hear. You can't hardly find a preacher anymore preach on the wrath of God. Yet the Bible's full of it. The Bible teaches that the wrath of God is this, that we're separated from God by our sins. And ultimately, if we don't repent and die in that condition, that we'll experience hellfire and brimstone. You listen to me tonight, you may be sitting in this auditorium and lost. You may be in here religious, but I'm here to tell you something. God told me to do one thing in my life. Everything else is just subsequent to it. I've been called to be a preacher of the Word of God. And in preaching the Word of God, I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you're here and you're lost and you don't get saved, buddy, you're headed to hell. I mean, you're one heartbeat away from hell right now. And it's not a laughing matter, and I'm telling you, it's the wrath of God. Hell is the eternal storm of God's wrath against sin. i got another notion tonight, if I read my Bible correctly, that God the Father gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross in real place. And if you spit on the blood of Jesus Christ and you walk away from the blood of Christ, trample on the blood of Christ and say, I don't need it. I believe God is going to get mad at you. I believe God is going to take you and cast you into the lake of fire. The Bible teaches hell is a place of brimstone. It's a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of burning and torment and thirst and memory. Hell is the wrath of God against sin. And the Bible teaches that if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be in hell. It's amazing to me the generation we're in. The Bible says it's a place where the worm dies not. That word worm, if you want to get real cocky, it's a, in the Greek is skolex. It means a maggot. And what it's teaching you that even a maggot in hell is not consumed in the sense that it ceases to exist. It is burning, but it's not consumed and not annihilated. Where the worm dies not. Can you imagine tonight being in hell? I want you to imagine. It, it won't hurt you tonight to think for just a little bit where you'd be if it wasn't for the grace of God. And if you're here to lost tonight, it won't hurt you a little bit, friend. In fact, it'll help you to think about the fact that you could be dead before this time next Sunday. They may have your casket at the funeral house tonight. The backhoe digging your grave may be sitting up there at somebody's house tonight. And if you did die, if you did die, and you went to hell, can you imagine what it would be to be in hell? I'm telling you tonight, God saved us from the wrath to come. God saved us from the penalty of sin, amen. I'll tell you what, we ought to have a shout in us. We ought to have a joy in us. We ought to have a gladness in us. We ought to have a fight in us. We ought to have a thrill in us that God sent His Son and saved us from the wrath of God, amen. 
Telling you something else keep you out of debt Christianity. No wonder they ain't got nothing in them around these churches. You know why? Because they don't think they've been saved from nothing. Ain't nothing but a culture club. It ain't nothing but a high society. Then those social gathering on most churches on Sunday morning. Nobody's been saved from anything. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of sin. In Numbers chapter 16, the Bible teaches us that Korah and Abiram and Datham, they rebelled against Moses' leadership. You know what God did with them? God said, I'll bust up the earth. He caused the earth to cleave open. And the Bible said they all went down into it and the earth closed up on them. 250 more of them got over and got the senses and God said, fire down, kill 250 on that fast. That doesn't sound like some namby-pamby little hand-wringing nothing God to me, does it you? Sounds to me like a God that'll throw you in the hell so fast and make your head swim, buddy. I'm going to tell you, God don't know you nothing. God don't know you nothing. He gave his only begotten son to die for your sins. You walk out that door and spit on his son's blood, you in trouble. You're in trouble. Just well get honest about it. Preaching through the book of Romans is a constitution of Christianity. And if we don't tell people what they're saved from, what in the world are we going to tell them? What are we tell them about why Jesus died? What Christ died for? There's not a hell to escape. Turn your Bibles to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in a mood I can go somewhere and preach every night. I'm not telling you, I'm telling you the truth. If I had my way and knew where I could go tomorrow night, I'd probably just get in my car and go and preach until, until nobody'd have me anymore. Because I'm going to tell you something. We're living in the last days. People are dying and going to hell. And I don't know anything else to do, but I'm just saying, look at Second Peter chapter 3. Up in the first part of the chapter, the Bible said in verse number 3 there, knowing this verse that there shall come in the last days scoffers. That's people who don't believe in hell, who mock the cross of Calvary, who mock preachers, who mock Christianity. That's Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, and all that other crowd on the other side who takes God's name in vain and mocks and scoffs and they don't believe beans. That is your public education governmental school system. Do you know why he, you know why Bob can't pass out that? Because it's a government school, not a public school. He looks me, scoffers, say, we don't need God. God get away from our lives. Say, scoffers walking after their own lust. I'm going to tell you about a scoffer who mocks and makes fun of the word of God and Jesus Christ and Christianity. You can mark your day, but behind their scoffing, they're a bunch of immoral pigs. And they want to live their sex life and their immorality and their filth and their porn and their perversion. And that's why they mock the word of God. They don't want anybody telling them that's wrong. They're a bunch of queers, a bunch of sodomites. Verse number four and say, here's what they say. Where is the promise of his coming? Hmm. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. We're worse than that crowd there because they don't even believe in creation. Now, for this, they willingly are ignorant. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, that's before Noah's time, before the worldwide flood in Noah's day. Did you hear the newscasters talking about uh, old Mike Huckabee? Can you believe he believes in, uh, in creation? I, I mean, can you believe that anybody running for president believes in six-day creation? I heard a guy say, can you believe that he believes in 6,000 years of earth history, that he doesn't believe in evolution? How how terrible has this nation got that somebody can run for president and believe we've only had 6,000 years and believe that we're created in six days? Not my friend is scoffers. Not my friend is mockers. Not my friend is God-haters. Not my friend is people who don't want God in their lives. Look at what it says here. But that says, but the heavens and earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. Now, God said, I overflowed it with water once. Next time, here's what it is to come up with fire. Reserved unto fire. Verse 6, overflowed with water. First time, Noah's flood. 
Now, verse number seven, now this world is reserved, and the next time this earth is going to be destroyed, it's going to be destroyed by fire. Uh, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition. That means going to hell of ungodly men. Perdition is hell. Perdition is the lake of fire. Perdition is the place where lost people go. And God is saying that those who are unbelievers, who are mockers and scoffers of Jesus Christ, that when this world is destroyed, they're going to go to hell in this judgment of the day uh, in fire. Verse number 8, watch this. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. These clowns ain't got a clue what's going on. Verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not to a decision in a card signing ceremony. To repentance. You can't get saved without repenting. And I want to ask you, when did you repent? When have you turned from your sin? When did you turn from going your way to turn and go God's way? I won't give a flip for all you little hand-wringing, read it, repeat after me prayer. You can't find the Bible nowhere where God said if you repeat after somebody that he'll take you to heaven. God says you believe with the heart and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You've got to repent of your sin and believe on Jesus Christ to be saved. I'm not saying repeating the prayers might be fine, might be good, might be fine. But I'm going to tell you something. Repeating after somebody don't save you. Listen to what he said in verse number 10. Here it is. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements. Now, folks, we're not talking about wood here. We're talking about the elements. I mean, everything shall melt with fervent heat. The environmentalists think this thing, they think global warming, they got it down. Some of that global hot coming. Not just global warming. There is going to be a global meltdown here. The, the, the heavens and the earth in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This building you're sitting in someday is going to burn up. That highway, it'll get so hot it will melt the whole, I mean literally this earth is going to be one blazing ball of fire. This earth is going to be renewed. We're talking about, and you know what it says? In, in the, at the start of that thing, the ungodly men into perdition. Look at verse number 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What's all these things? Everything you've got. Everything you've got. Materially speaking, the only thing you've got that's going to last is Jesus Christ. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking forward and hastening in the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Man, you talk about a day of judgment coming. God saved us from the wrath to come. I'm glad tonight I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I mean, all I got to do to get happy again is just think about getting saved all over again. But I'm talking about tonight that in the, in First Thessalonians chapter one verse ten it says that He delivered us from the wrath to come. In Ephesians chapter 6 teaches us that he says this, unrighteous have got the wrath of God upon them. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 7, the Bible said, flee from the wrath to come. That means run from it. That means you ought to run to Christ tonight. You ought to run to Christ tonight and flee the wrath of God. The Bible said in John chapter 3 verse number 36 that the wrath of God abideth on him. If you don't, he, he that believeth not that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the wrath of God abideth on him. Oh, he didn't say you had to be a queer and a whoremonger and a dope smoker and a, and a pill pattern and all that junk. He said if you just don't believe on Jesus Christ, his wrath is upon you. I'm telling you, God saved us from his wrath. Amen. Boy, I'm glad tonight. 
I'm glad tonight we could go on in Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 14, Revelation chapter 15, Revelation chapter 16, Revelation chapter 19. And they said to hide us from the rocks that flee from the wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, wrath is going to be poured out upon this earth during the great tribulation period. But you want to see the ultimate wrath of God in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 14? That Bible said, I saw a great white throne in him that sat on whose face they have heaven and earth by the way. And there's no place found for them. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And they were judged every man according to the works of that book. And the Bible said, whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Cast into the lake of fire. Can you imagine two big old angels? Donnie, help. can I grab him a minute, Phil? Your kids are sure. Grab him by the arm. Can you imagine being grabbed by angels like this and thrown and cast into the lake of fire? I want to tell you something, folks, tonight. Listen, can you imagine getting before the throne of God and God saying, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And you begin to fight and scream and say, Oh, God, I don't want to go. But God says, The angels, means the angels, oh, they grab you by the arm. That's why the Bible, thank you, buddy. You can be honest. You know why the Bible said they were cast? It's because you ain't going to want to go. You're going to have a fit and scream and wail and weep and cry and beg and claw and scratch and say, God, no! There ain't nothing you're going to do to be able to keep them casting you into the lake of fire. This is the Bible. If that ain't the Bible, I'm out of here. I'm done. That's the Bible. You see what you're talking about? God saved us from the penalty of sin. And that's what the first part of the book of Romans teaches us. We've been looking the last second thing. is The second thing is he saves us from the power and the practice of sin. And if I've ever gotten convicted and convinced of anything in my life, you list me tonight, if God can't save us from the power of sin, the practice of sin, He can't save us from the penalty of sin. You can just get it down your day, but the truth about it is, we don't want to go to hell, but we don't want to live clean. That's our real problem. We want to go to heaven, we don't want to live right. I'm going to tell you something just as sure as God's got power to save you from the penalty of sin. God's got power to save you from the practice and the, and the power of sin. By the death, by me being dead and buried and resurrected with Jesus Christ, we have taught last week that we have power over sin. By knowing what Jesus done. By knowing my position in Christ. By reckoning myself dead into sin. By yielding myself unto God. I can have power over sin through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Ghost. By the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, I can have power over sin by being led of the Spirit of God. I can have power over the sin of my life by walking in the Spirit of God, by being filled with the Spirit of God. I don't have to wallow in a mud hole. I'm a sheep, not a sow. I'm reminded of Marvin Stone, Marvin Stone story. Marvin Stone's an old-time preacher down in Mississippi, and he told a story when he got saved back in the 60s. Marvin's dad was a drunk and a bootlegger, a moonshine liquor guy. His dad died lost and busted hell wide open. But his mama was an old long-dressed, hair-up-in-the-bun Christian woman. And after his daddy died, old Marvin had his old dad's car, and he said, I delivered dad's liquor. He said, where dad? I, I picked up dad's old custom. And he said, we pick up that liquor in gallon-quart jars and half-gallon jars, fill the trunk up, fill the back floor of the car up, and deliver liquor. He said, my mom had been praying for me and, and, and talking to me about being saved, uh, and said, Marvin, I don't want you to die and go to hell. And said, there was a revival service at our church one week. And said, she kept after me one day there eating at the dinner table till I promised her I'd go to church with her one night for the revival. But last night, the revival came and he said, I had my car loaded up out there. He said, I got ready to go. And he said, my mama grabbed me by the chair and said, Marvin, you promised me to go to church with me one night. And Marvin said, Mama, I've got stuff to do tonight. I can't go. I've got a friend waiting on me. I, ain't, I can't go. I know I told you that I'm sorry, but I can't make it. He said, I took out of the house. He said, I started down the road just waiting and realized I forgot my pistol, the pistol dad left me. He said, I never went to sell liquor without taking dad's pistol with me. He said, I got down there. He said, I wheeled that car around. 
If that wasn't very far from the house, wheeled that car around, come back up there, walked up that old screen door in that old summertime heat, and he said, I can hear my mama. And he said, I looked inside on the floor of the house, and my mama was stretched out, belly down on the floor, crying, oh, God, don't let my husband die and go to hell. Oh, God, he told us you'd go with me, but God, he's down to sell a liquor. God, don't let Marvin die and go to hell. No, Marvin, he said, I'll tell you, he said, something come over me. And he said, Mama, get up, get off the floor. She looked up at her and said, Marvin, I don't want you dying and going to hell. He said, you promised me you'd go to church with me. He said, Mama, you get in the car. I'll take you to church and I'll go with you. Come on, get to church. Just get off the floor. Quit that. I don't want to hear it no more. I'll tell you something. You can't, you can tell you something. If somebody ever gets that burden to you and somebody ever loves you that much that you know loves you, that's hard to get away from. No, Marvin said, I got up, got in the car, said we took off down the road. Said Mama was doing her feet over the, the liquor bottle, the liquor jar. And said, I picked up my friend down there and he looked inside there and he looked inside and said, he looked in my mom, said my mama took a, one of these here coffee table Bibles with her to church. Said a big old King James and family Bible. And he said, he opened up the door and seen my mama sitting in there and says, what's this? What's going on, Marvin? He said, just get in. Don't worry about it. Said he had to climb back through and said, where are we going? Said, we're going to church. He said, I ain't going to stop getting me out of the car. He said, if I'm going to church, you're going to church. You was going where I was going anyway. He said, we got down to church. He said, by the time I walked in that church house, I was under conviction. I couldn't understand it. Said, that'll preach or preach a gospel message. He said, I hit that order. And he said, I mean, unloaded my wagon. And he said, God saved me that night and answered my mama's prayer. He said, in fact, he said, I, he said, I was so broken up. I didn't know how to know who was around me at the altar. He said, when I got up, he said, somebody come throw their arms around me. And he said, I didn't know who it was. He said, I broke away and pushed him away. And it's my buddy. And said, Marvin, I got saved too. Now, this is the good part. Now, I'm talking about being safe and the power of sin. Church service got over. Marvin and his buddy walked out there in the car, started grabbing gallon jugs, taking them off, and emptied that whole trunk of the car and inside that thing and dumped the liquor out. I believe he got saved because that was money going down the tube, not just liquor. That's the evidence somebody gets saved. But here's the real deal. Marvin went and dropped his mama off at the house. He said, Mama, I'm going to town. She said, Marvin, I thought you got saved. I did, Mama. Don't worry about it. I got something to go to go to town about. He was a partier and a fighter and a ramble rouser rager in the one in little old southern town. It had one crossroad and stop sign, about like Norwood down here. And he got down there to town, pulled right into the middle of the intersection, got out of the car, jumped up on top of the car, and started saying, I got saved tonight. I got saved tonight. People coming through and they saw like Marvin's drunk up on top of this car again. And lo and behold, the town cop drives up with his lights on, jumps out, said, Marvin, get off that car. Get in here. He'd been in every jailhouse, he said, within 200 miles of his town already in his short life. He said, the sheriff said, get out there, Marvin, you're drunk again. Marvin looked out at the sheriff and said this, I ain't drunk. I got saved tonight. Check the jars in the car. I got saved tonight. Sheriff said, are you kidding me? He said, no, I got saved. He said, Marvin, get out off that car. He said, get on top of mine. And he got on top of the cop's car. And the cop turned the light on and drove him all around town, shouting and telling people he got saved. That's been saved from the power of sin. That's the real deal. Amen. I'm talking tonight that we need to get back to that. Can I tell you something? These altars are not going to get used by lost people till we start using them. That's, you'll not see tears of lost people there till your tears and my tears are on that altar. I'm talking about being saved in the power of sin. The Bible said we're free from sin. Sin has no more dominion over us. I believe when you get saved, God can break you of the worst dope. It, uh, you can be a, 
arm shooter and a snuffer and everything else, and God can break you that night. I said, I believe you can be a dope dipper, and I mean, I mean a doper, and God can break you that night. There's power in salvation. I believe you can be a drunk, and God can break you that night. I believe you can be a cusser, and God can break you that night. I didn't say that was your salvation. I just believe we're delivered from the power of sin. Just like, did you know that whenever God saved Israel, which is a picture of our salvation, he delivered them from the power of Pharaoh. Now you listen to me. This could help. Watch out, it might. God went down and by blood and by power brought Israel out of Egypt. Type of the world. Pharaoh type of Satan. Took him across the Red Sea. Drowned Pharaoh. Did you know that God delivered them from the power of Pharaoh? That Pharaoh had no more power, no more authority over them. Did you know tonight that Satan has no power over you, no authority over you except what you give to him? Now let me tell you about them. They were like we are. They got up and said, oh, it would have been better if we died in Egypt. Let's go back. They wanted to take themselves back under the authority of the one who was destroying their freedom. I'm saying to you tonight this, that God has saved us from the power of sin. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. But let me say finally tonight, let's get to happy hour. Don't sit there and act like you don't know what happy hour is. Unless you've been to a beer joint know what happy hour is. I say we can have happy hour church. I'm not just talking about eating down here pretty soon either. I was one time our bus broke school. Our Liberty Faith Christian Academy school bus broke down up here from Springfield close to the Catholic church. And the guy told me, he said, just run up there to that church and use the phone. I went up there and the door to come in the kitchen. I, I thought I was in a liquor store. That's having happy hour. That's fixing to have happy hour there. I mean, I never saw so many bottles in that kitchen in a moment. Catholic church. I thought, man, I don't wonder people, so many Catholics, they'd like that party. Have happy hour. Now I'm going to tell you, we can have happy hour. And there's a happy hour coming. And that is when God saves us from the presence of sin. Can I tell you something? I don't know if anybody enjoys life any more than I do. But I don't know if there's anybody really looking more forward to heaven than I am either. Did you know what our text taught us tonight in Romans chapter 8, verse 16? There's coming a time when God is going to deliver us from the bondage of this corruption. He's going to give us a new glorified body. Our salvation in its primary essence is born of the Spirit, deals with our spirit. Our sanctification deals with the power over sin in our daily lives. But our glorification deals with our resurrected body with our Lord Jesus Christ. Divine and complete salvation. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Did you know Jesus Christ was resurrected with a new glorified body that could just move at will and that had no material boundaries to it? Did you know when he ascended back to heaven, he just went up without a rocket? Did you know he just appeared and disappeared? He, he wasn't bound by fit. And did you know he had a glorified body that had overcome death, hell, and the grave, and sin and everything the curse had put on it? And it never again, the Bible said, death hath no more dominion over him. That he once died unto sin. Did you know that he has forever conquered that? And he now lives in a glorified body. And yet that glorified body has scars. You know the Bible said we'll be known as we're known. Now I don't want to get into an argument tonight about this. But I'm going to tell you something. I believe I'll know Karen in heaven. I believe I'll know her as Mrs. Reg Kelly. Because the Bible said we'll be known as we are known. Did you know they knew? I'd hate for it. Have a glorified body and not know anybody. Ralph, I'd hate not to wreck. Oh, I didn't. Who is that? Yeah, what are you doing here, Ralph? I didn't, I didn't think you was really saved. <laughs> Amen. That's what most of us are going to do. Are you here too? <laughs> we may say that in hell, huh? No. No, I'm going to heaven. Done got my ticket. 
done been paid, sealed under the day of redemption, kept by the power of God. I'm in a happy hour right now. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 3 that we'll have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to turn there with me, the Bible teaches us that we're going to be resurrected with a new glorified body. And in verse number 49, it says this, As we have borne the image of the earthly, so shall we also bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible, right here, this old sin, cursed flesh and blood, must put on incorruption. And this, that's the people that died already. And this mortal, that's this old body, for those of us who are living, must put on immortality. So when this corruption shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Now, let me just put a little fiery dart in there a little bit. But it didn't say, oh, where bowl of ashes. It said, oh, grave, where is thy victory? I'm telling you tonight, I'm glad. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 29, he spoke of the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the damned. He said in Revelation, in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to show you the consummation of this thing that Paul was writing about. As we come to Revelation chapter 21, the rapture of the church has occurred. The great tribulation has occurred. The great white throne judgment has occurred. And the renewal of the earth has occurred. And the Bible said in chapter 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Remember what we read in 2 Peter 3, chapter 3 tonight? For the first heaven, the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now I will tell you something, watch what God does. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know where tears come from? The curse in Genesis chapter 3. I will tell you, there ain't going to be no more crying in heaven. No more crying in heaven. And it says, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, except when it's gone. Tylenol out of business. Morphine out of business. The former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write for these words are true and faithful. I'm telling you this tonight. That I've been saved from what? I've been saved from the penalty of sin, the wrath of God, hell, the lake of fire. I've been saved from the power of sin for daily living. And I've been saved from the presence of sin in a new body, in a new heaven, in a new earth with no curse. Now, if that ain't good news, I ain't heard any in a long time. Now, to, to wrap this up and put, you know, put the, put the candle on the cake, turn back to Romans and we're done. Now, I'm going to tell you all something straight, gun barrel straight tonight, and I don't mean jack maybe about this. My wife and my daughters took some of my good deer sausage that I had down in the freezer and cut it up to bring you people to eat tonight. And if you eat any of it, I'm going to be watching every plate, see who eats my deer sausage. No, I'm just teasing. Eat it up, amen. Well, I had fun teasing my wife and the girls. I said, what are you taking that to church for? He said, for folks to eat. Happy hour, amen. No, I'm just teasing you. Please eat it, because I won't be able to eat it all. <clears throat> Look at Romans chapter 8. In verse number 29, for whom he did know, 
did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What's this? Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. How many's got that far? How many? The Lord's brought you that far. You're justified. Predestinated. You've been foreknown of God. Predestinated of God. Called of God. And justified of God. Now look at the next phrase. Then he also glorified. Do you know what the problem with that verse is? It's past tense. Mm, which is really, really good. Because in the sight of Almighty God, it's done. You just ain't got there yet. And God said, if I justified you, I will glorify you. And I can state it as if it's already happened because it will happen. Saved from what? I'm saved from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, from the presence of sin. A complete and full divine salvation. Let's bow our heads together tonight. As the pianist comes, some of you here tonight may die and go to hell if you don't get saved this very night. I want to ask you a question. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? When you quote got saved, did you get saved from anything? As the pianist begins to play. I want you to think about your soul. If we go through the book of Romans and we don't examine our faith to see we will be in the faith, I want to ask you tonight, are you saved? Real quick, I want to ask you, are you saved? Ask yourself, am I saved? Am I saved from the wrath of God? Do I have the peace of God in my heart knowing that if Christ were to come back tonight or God were to take me out of this world, I know I'd be with Jesus. Have I been made a new creature in Jesus Christ? My heart longs for some old-time salvations like old Marvin Stone had where we take the jar, the lids off the liquor jars and pour it out. Where we're not afraid to stand on the top of the car in the middle of town and say, I got saved, I got saved. Did you get saved? Are you saved? How many here tonight say, Brother Reggie, by the sweet mercy of Almighty God and through the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, I've been saved from the penalty of sin. Would you raise your hand tonight? Thank Him and worship Him and praise Him tonight. Say, Lord, thank You. Lord, thank You for saving me tonight. God, thank You for saving me tonight. God bless you. You may put them down. You're here tonight and you couldn't raise your hand. Dear friend, I want you to know something. There's a God in heaven loves you, loves you, loves you. And he loves you so much he said that he sent his son to die on the old rugged cross and shed his precious blood to save you from hell. But I'm going to tell you something. Without Christ, you will go to hell. You will bust hell wide open. And immediately when you die, you'll be in hell. And I don't want you to go there. That's why I preach this message tonight. I preach this message that you might be saved. Some of you tonight, your heart's so hard, you, you, you've heard gospel preaching so long, you're, you're just like an old roadway where the truck goes over every morning. It's hard as a rock. And the seed, good seed of the Word can't even hardly get into your heart because you're so hard. Oh, may God plow your heart up tonight by fear of the wrath to come. If you couldn't raise your hand tonight and you care about your soul, would you, would you do this? Would you do as much? This won't save you, but you would say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm on the road to hell. I'm unsaved. And the wrath of God is abiding upon my soul. I'm lost without God. I don't want to die going to hell. I'd like to go to heaven. Please pray for me tonight. Would you slip your hand up right now? Just real quick, up and down so I can see it. Lift her up. Anywhere in this building tonight. I'm not saved. I'm lost. I'm going to hell like the condition I'm in. Anywhere in this building. Anybody. Anybody. I want there's some people here tonight. You say, Reggie, I'm saved, but I'm hard as a rock. Reggie, I, I get like you do sometimes. I get hard. And I need God to break my heart. I don't pray. I don't give a track to nobody. I don't talk to nobody about their soul. The truth about it is, I, they, there's not a bit of difference between me and the heathen, except I claim to be saved. In just a moment, we're going to stand. 
If you need to do some business with God, dear friend, I'm going to invite you to leave that seat and hit these altars. Maybe you haven't had a burden for a lost person. I don't know what your need is. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, fill my cup. Lord, my soul is empty. God, do something in my soul. Let's stand together. You do what the Holy Spirit says.